And so since you know, we've been talking about the need for that, that we've got to have, we've got to have wholeness in our homes in order for it to affect those outside our homes. And so sometimes we're, we're too busy worrying about what happens in the line. We, she talked about circles, lines, and tents. This is a line this morning. This is the time where we give the marching orders, we give the encouragement, we look at one another and say, you can do it. We pray for one another, we lift each other up. And the, the real work happens when you go home, when you go to work, when you interact with your family. That's where the real life of God can be manifest. Because this is just a couple hours on Sunday, but life is the rest of the week. And so we've been looking at, uh, if we want to cultivate the fire of God in our homes, we've been looking at when God shows up as a fire in the Scriptures. And so there's, there's a lot of different... Um, a lot of different parts. I mean, God first shows up to Abraham when he makes a covenant with him. We talked about the power of covenant in your home. That God's covenant, his, his agreement because of, of Jesus and what Jesus did. The new covenant is able to release wholeness and health and life into your home because of what he did. And it's, a, it's, an, uncon, it's an unconditional covenant. In other words, it doesn't matter if we break it or not. God's the one who says, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to send my only son. I'm going to keep the covenant for you. I'm going to be the one that pays the price. It's not up to your works. It's not up to how good you are. It's up to me. And so we talked about the covenant, and then we talked about the commission where Moses was at the burning bush, and it says, you know, Moses received a, a co-mission. In other words, a mission to do with God. God says, I will be with you. Whenever God sends us out to do something, what does He say to us? I will be with you. But He has a mission. There is a mission for your family. You don't exist just to grow up and have a nice family and, and take pictures and post it on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Google Plus and all the other ones that social medias that I don't know about and you know just for us to smile and say what a great life no there's a mission so you have to get with God and say have God speak to you why why do you exist why does your family exist how are you going to be a blessing to to your community how are you going to be a blessing to the world and so then we looked at Elijah you know where the fire of God comes down from heaven and we looked at you know there was a there was a choice there Choose this day whether you're going to serve Baal or you're going to serve God. Is Jesus Lord or not? He can, he can only be Lord. We're going to talk about that today. Jesus has to be Lord. If He's not Lord, you're, you're, not, you're not doing this. Because have you ever heard somebody say, Well, I tried God or I tried Christianity and it didn't work? You ever, we've all heard that, right? We might have even said that, right? Don't raise your hand at that one. Okay? Um, <laughs> just... You know, you've repented now. You're, you're, you've seen the light. But uh, honestly, generally when someone says that, Jesus probably was never Lord. Amen. Because it, you're right, it doesn't work when He's not first. When He's first, then you have the power to do what He calls you to do. If it's just adding God to the shelf, you know, the options, you know, just He's another option on the shelf of what we're going to give our, our life to, then you know what? His power doesn't work that way. He's to seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus says you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And so then uh, we also talked about the boldness of Elijah. That he was able to speak the word of the Lord. And so when we have the fire of God in our homes, you know, we, we can be bold to minister and do what God has called us to do. And then last week we looked at uh, the book of Leviticus. And I'll summarize this quickly. It's, it's where, the, where the sacrifice, the first sacrifice is done in the Old Testament. And it says that when God saw the sacrifice, it says that fire came out from God's presence and consumed the sacrifice. And what was the point of that? The point of that was forgiveness. 
And so we talked about forgiveness. We talked about how that relates to us and God, but also how that relates many times and sometimes very um, importantly to one another. That we have to forgive. We have to, we have to learn to do that on a regular basis. You will probably be given an opportunity to forgive somebody this week. You're probably going to get at least one chance. Something's going to happen that's going to hurt you or offend you or rub you the wrong way or whatever. It's going to happen. Heaven is when it doesn't happen. <laughs> but it's going to happen here. We're in a broken world. And so what do I, I have a weapon. I have a weapon against the enemy. One of my most powerful weapons is to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Say the same words that Jesus said. It's not easy. I'm not, we didn't minimize things that are very hurtful and, and are very hard to get over. But we also said we don't want to minimize what Jesus did. That Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross is more powerful to heal and forgive than anything anybody else could do to hurt or harm me. We have to believe that. That He is greater. So today... We're in another account. We're in the, the last one we're going to look at in the Old Testament of where God shows up as a fire. And this is, this is with Moses and the Ten Commandments. And so there's been movies made about Moses and the Ten Commandments. Some of them are accurate. Some of them are somewhat accurate. Some of them are less accurate. And so whichever one you've seen, we're going to go with, we're going to go with the Bible today. Okay? So however you need to picture Moses, if you're... You know, if you're that old and it's Charlton Heston, then, then go for it. Uh, if you're less old and, you know, you want a, a different version, a cartoon or whatever, like, that's what's in my mind. Um, you know, what was that cartoon from the 80s? What is that? Oh, you, weren't, you were born in the 80s, babe. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I was a child in the 80s. I was actually aware. Um, Exodus 19. Okay? Exodus 19. Let's, let's bring it back here. We're going to start at verse 1. This is when God has delivered His people from Egypt. So they've been slaves and they're now being coming out of slaves. And so Moses brings them to the mountain because that's what God said. When you get them out of there, bring them to the mountain to meet me. They need to meet the one who set them free. And so let's read these verses 1 through 6. It says, Holy Spirit, open the word as we read it in Jesus' name. In the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on the very day... They came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you're to say to the house of Jacob and what you're to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. What is he talking about there? Somebody say it. The plagues. In other words, God sent, sent the, the plagues... To, to show that he was the greater God. If you don't know, each one of those plagues represented one of the Egyptian gods. And so God was demonstrating his greatness over them, you know, with the frogs and the flies and the different, different stuff. That was all a demonstration over all the little gods, the little idols that they worshipped in Egypt. So each and every one was showing, I'm greater. So you saw what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. It's such a tender verse right there that God just came down like, like a mother eagle and said, I'm going to rescue you. And it says in verse 5, Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you'll be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses goes back down. He tells the Israelites what's going on. I'm, I'm summarizing some of this. For the sake of time. 
And then he says, hey, don't go up on the mountain, don't touch anything, because you've got to remember that God's holy, that God's powerful, that God, God is amazing. And so part of what we need to understand from this scripture is that God's big. He's a really big God. Amen. Sometimes we, we reduce God to a smaller size, either because we haven't seen something or just because of our own uh, blindness in our lives that we haven't seen what God is like. But God's really big. He's really strong. And He's really holy. There's no one like Him. We sang that a couple of times. There's no one like Him. So verse 16, it says, On the morning of the third day there was thunder and there was lightning. We had some last night. And with it a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Don't pretend that you wouldn't be doing it too. Okay? There's a trump. There's nobody on the mountain. Okay? It's a deserted mountain. And there's a trumpet coming from the mountain. There's no, nothing going down. There's, there's all this smoke. And then it says... Uh, then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Verse 18, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. So there's the fire right there. The smoke billowed from it like a smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. So you got the picture right here. God comes down on a fire on this mountain, so He lights up the whole mountain. And there's so much fire that the smoke is everywhere. And there's a trumpet blast, and everybody knows there's no human up there blasting the trumpet. So that's why they were shaking. That's why they were trembling. And it says Moses, you know, ends up the one. God calls to Moses, so Moses goes up to the mountain. What does God give Moses? Moses gives, or God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. So Chapter 20, it says, And God spoke all these words. We're going to read the Ten Commandments this morning, if you don't mind. It says this, These are the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Number three, you should not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. Number four, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it... On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your, nor your animals, nor the alien living within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them, but He rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Number five, honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land your Lord your God is giving you. Number six, you shall not murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Number eight, you shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Number 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not cover, covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservants, his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And we'll stop there. And so here we have the encounter with God on the mountain. Some of you are looking at me like, where are we going to go with this? <laughs> There's the encounter with God on the mountain. 
and he appears as fire. And what does God say? He says, I'm going to make a covenant with you, but here's, here's the Ten Commandments. Here's what was going on right here. The people of Israel, what were they before they got to this mountain? They were slaves. And so, even though God had gotten them out of Egypt, God needed to get Egypt out of them. So he, that was actually probably the harder thing to do, maybe. God got, delivered them from Egypt, but now He's saying, Look, I need to get what you were like before out of you. So that you're not acting like a slave anymore. So that you don't think like a slave anymore. So that you don't, you don't look at life through a slave's eyes anymore. So you don't, you don't look at it like, like the Egyptian culture did. Because they were living in a very godless culture. And so they'd been there for 400 years. 400 years! How old is the United States of America? Somebody please tell me because I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. We're not even 400 years old, are we? Anybody in school recently? <laughs> We're like, nobody knows in here, right? So let's just go with 1776, okay? How about that? Declaration of Independence? Let's see. In 1976, when I was born, that was what? 2,000 years, right? Or 200 years. <laughs> so it's only been 240 years. So can you imagine? You know, look how much our culture has changed and look how much, what's going on in our culture. They were in the Egyptian culture for 400 years. And so there was things ingrained in their mind. I mean, when they had kids, it was like, hey, this is how life is. You, you were born into slavery. You were born into a life that was, that was set up in a certain way. And so now that you're free, you don't know how to live. And so God says, I need to teach you to live as a free person. I need to teach you to, to live amongst each other. And so this was, about, this was about community and this was about wholeness was what the Ten Commandments was. It was about wholeness in, in their lives and how to live in community. If you look at the Ten Commandments, it's interesting to look at the, the different uh, focuses of each one. You've got the first three commandments, right? The, what's the first one? No other gods. So in other words, again, it's the same thing. Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit has to be number one. It doesn't work unless he's number one. He can't be just on, you know, he can't be on as an option. If God is just an option for you, then Jesus can't be Lord of your life. He can't release the blessing of the whole New Testament in your life because it's dependent upon him being Lord. And so if there's any area of my life where he's not Lord, God says, hey, look, it's, re it's the right relationship between me and you. This is how it's supposed to work. So the first three commandments are between me and God. What's the second one? Don't make an idol. What? Why would they say that? To us, it makes no sense because we're like, I don't, I don't worship statues. I don't, I don't make paper mache things and bow down to them. I, I mean, I don't, I don't. Well, maybe the TV sometimes becomes an idol, right? But um, <clears throat> we'll cut that one off. Um, you know, we we don't have idols like that. But but do we do we have other things that that become things that we give our effort and time and, and, and our strength to. We put our focus on it first sometimes. That's what an idol is. It's just anything I'm, you know, anything that's taken the most important place in my life. That's an idol. Could be money. Oh, everybody's doing this to me. <laughs> money can be an idol. I mean, there, there's all kinds of things can be idol. You can, and I, you can have your kid, raising your kids, they can be your idol. 
Sports, sure. Everybody's waving, waving idols at me here. <laughs> kind of interesting. Wave me, wave me an idol, okay. I was thinking more of this one, Edie, not, not, the, not this one, like this one. You know, hand egg, football. Um, so, <clears throat> so what God, they came out of culture, though, where they literally worshipped statues. It says you can't, you can't, turn, you can't form, it, form something and worship it. But I think for us, the application could be even greater. It's like sometimes we turn God into someone else other than who He is. Anytime I look at God in, in terms of who He isn't, then I am making an image of God because I have an image in my mind or in my heart or in my emotions of who God is. And so if I think that God is not good, if there's part of me that says God's just, He's just angry and He's really upset and He's really, he's really, he's really going to get me, He's going to get me if I mess up. I've made an idol. I've made another image of God. That's because that's not who He is as He relates to us through Jesus. See, Jesus, did, Jesus didn't change God. Jesus changed how the, the world works, though. Once Jesus came, everything was different because now there's a Savior. Now there's a new covenant. The old covenant is gone, and so we can't live like we're in the old covenant. And so we're looking at these today through the eyes, through the lens of Jesus, but I don't want to make Jesus into somebody He's not. I don't want to believe that Jesus is less powerful than He is. You know, when I, don't, when I choose not to believe that God heals, or that God still has the power to heal today, what, what have I created? I've created a God that doesn't exist. I have an image of God, and he, he, He's not real. I've turned Him into something that He, he is not. Again, that's my relationship between me and Him. How does that apply to our homes? I need a right relationship in my family, in my home, in my marriage, between me and Him, and then between us and, us and Him together. What does it say the third thing? Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Really, what it, what it literally meant was to... You know, to, to make it empty, to make it worth nothing. To, it, it's more than just, it certainly includes, you know, saying the name of Jesus as a cuss word or, or something like that. But it's more than that. It's, it's emptying who, the name of its power. What did God do when He came to Moses? And Moses says, tell me, who should I say sent me? And God says this, tell them, Yahweh, I am, sent me. And so God revealed His personal name to Moses the first time. And so in that name is who God is. There's all these names of God in the Bible. There's Jehovah Jireh. In other words, God is a provider. It's who He is. It's not just what He's called. It's who He is. And so you, you've got all of this, and we can apply it to the name of Jesus. When the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus is salvation. The name of Jesus brings freedom. It says the name of Jesus brings healing. You look at Acts 4 when they said, how did this happen? How did this, this guy who couldn't walk, who was crippled, how is he running around? Well, it's through the power of the name of Jesus. And so, I want to have the name of Jesus and who God is in the right place. I don't want to dumb it down to something that it's not and take His name in vain. I think it certainly means, sure, I don't want to use His name as a cuss word. Isn't it interesting? Why do people don't cuss with other God's names, right? I mean, I don't know. It's kind of, 
To me, that is an affirmation from people who don't know God that Jesus is really God. Anyway, I won't start too long on that one. So those are right relationship between me and God. We need that in our home. Here's the fourth one. It says, keep the Sabbath day and make it holy. What does that mean? Does that mean coming to church on Sunday? Trick question. <laughs> I've read it in Sunday school books. <laughs> no! That's not what keeping the Sabbath was about. What did Jesus say? The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a blessing to His people. It wasn't something for them to do something to show God that they could show up on Sunday and worship Him. Is it a good idea to do it? Sure, absolutely. It's a good idea to get together with the people of God and worship and be in community and be in fellowship and to, to receive encouragement in a larger group. Sometimes that's what this is about. This is the gathering of the community. This is the, the assembly of, of, of the people of God. That's, that's an awesome thing, but that's not about the Sabbath. The Sabbath, it says, was made that there's supposed to be a day of rest. There's supposed to be a day. This is, this is for wholeness in you. This is for wholeness in you. If you don't rest, you will kill yourself. God didn't rest on the seventh day because He was tired. He rested as an example to say, you need this in your life. Does He want the focus to be on Him too? Yeah, you need a rest. You need a rest spiritually and you need a rest physically. So the rest spiritually is where I take time just to, just to shut everything else and get with God at least once a week for a little bit longer than each and every day and so that I can be... I can commune with God. I'm, I'm honoring Him. I'm saying, God, I get my sustenance from You. I receive strength from You. I'm remembering the Sabbath. I'm receiving rest. Is it a, do I need it for my physical body too? Absolutely. Do I need it for my mind? Absolutely. And so we need to have times where we set aside once a week is a good idea, God says. Once a week is a good idea to rest spiritually, physically, emotionally. You need rest, and that gets wholeness in your personal life. Then it says, number five, honor your father and mother, that your days may be long. So in other words, there's a blessing attached to this commandment, but what is that about? That's the relationships within the family. God says, hey, here's what happens. What is He talking about here? Again, He's talking about wholeness and community to the people. They don't know wholeness because they have a slave mindset and they don't know community because they, no they didn't have a true interaction of a, of a free community because they had been slaves. They were told what to do. Now they were free. They were like, what do we do now? He's like, here's how you live life. Here's how life works best. Let me show you. You get in right relationship with me. You remember the Sabbath. You've got to have that day. You've got to have that time to rest, to be recharged, to be refreshed, to have your focus back on me. You've got to have your body restored. And you've got to have this honoring of one another. Hey, kids, let's start with you. Honor your father and mother. And that health and wholeness between, in the relationships between you will give you strength. And your days will be long. You'll actually live longer if that happens in your life. Amen. You're going to have health that's released. So it's the relationships with one another. When the fire of God's burning in our home, we begin to relate to one another better. We begin to, there begins to be honor. And I'm going to go beyond the commandment here. It's honoring one another. How about honoring those, our spouses? Honoring them. 
It does say that in other parts of the Bible. <laughs> Honoring our kids. That's a good thing too. Doesn't mean I don't lead them and discipline them, but, but I want to do it with honor. I want to do it believing that they're, 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 they can be a child of God too. They're, they're, they're in the family of God. They're a part of my household, and I want to have wholeness there. Anything that comes in that would disrupt wholeness, God says, I want it out. That's why He gave the commandments. It's not, it's not to, uh, don't do this, don't do that. He's saying, no, this is the healthy way to live. Life will be better if you do this. And they didn't know because they were slaves. Does God have to do the same thing to us? Yeah. He says, anybody who sins is a slave to sin. But the one the Son sets free is free indeed. So we, when we give our hearts to Jesus, when we get saved, when we become a child of the King, we are coming from a slave mindset to a free mindset, and we need to learn what this means. And the New Testament brings it to light further. How about the rest of the commandments? We're going to go through them quickly. You shall not murder. That one everybody believes in, right? Even our country, even our, our, our law. We say that's, that's not right to do that. You, you cannot just kill someone. It also talks about that implies like negligence, you know, in terms of you know, not taking care of someone so that they die. You know, all kinds of different stuff. You should not commit adultery. Even the world says this is bad. it's bad to cheat on somebody, right? It's bad to cheat. It's a, it's a, it's a bad idea. Why? That's God's fence around my marriage. I still remember Ron Mel. Pastor Ron Mel wrote a, wrote a great book, which I totally recommend. Uh, I couldn't find it because I probably have it packed away. I haven't read it for a while. It's called The Tender, 10 and in parentheses D-E-R, The Tender Commandments. And I still remember the chapter title, For You Shall Not Commit Adultery. It's, he says, God's fence around your marriage. This is protection for you. This is to keep you safe. That's what the fence is for. You, you know, it's, to, it's the boundary to show you, hey, this is, this is how safety stays in your relationship with your spouse. You shall not steal. The world believes that's wrong too. Hey, the world does follow some of the Ten Commandments, right? Some of just community things. Hey, this is not good. You should not give false testimony against your neighbor. It's not just lying. It's, it's speaking about somebody else in a way that would, that would be false or harmful to them. Or test, you know, the word there is like a testimony, testifying in court against somebody. And it says you should not covet. In other words, you shall want what somebody else has. And so what are all those, six through ten there? Uh, what are they? They're how we relate to one another. So you've got the, re the relationship with God... One through three, you've got the wholeness, the relationship with yourself, the Sabbath. You've got the relationship with your family in number five. And then you've got the relationship with those outside, the community. This is how life and community works better, um, is, is six through ten. And so, let's look at some scriptures. It says, it says this in the New Testament, because we want to we make sure that, the, that through the lens of Jesus, this is what it talks about. Matthew 22 says this, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. And he says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So he's asking him right now, hey, one through ten, what's, what's, what's one? You know, I mean, I know there, there's, there's ten of them, but what's the most important? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. 
And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Is that the Ten Commandments right there? Yes, that's the Ten Commandments right there. In the concise form. Jesus put it down to two things. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And everybody else, as much as you love yourself. Which means I need to love myself. <laughs> it's okay to love yourself. It's okay to take care of yourself. It's, o- it's okay to get whole for yourself. Being selfish is not loving yourself. That's hating yourself. Number, num- next one. Uh, Romans 13.9. Look at this, it says the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you should not murder, you should not steal, you should not covet. That's 6 through 10, right? Uh, and what are, whatever other command there may be are summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Look at everybody else and do what's best for them. That's the fire of God burning in my tent. The fire of God burning in my home where first... I'm getting whole. I am tasting of God. He is touching my life so much that I am getting healed. I am changing. That's the Christian life. If you're in the same place you were two years ago, you're not living in Jesus. I'm sorry. You're not living in Christ. He promises that it's going to get better. It's not something you have to do. It's something you get to do. It's His promise. He says, this is so much better. I have so much better for you. If you just walk with me. If you just, if you just do this. And that's what He was, the Ten Commandments. God's saying, I got something way better. It's way better than slavery. You're going you're gonna to not understand this. Now God breaks down all these rules and stuff afterwards. And some of them, most of them still apply. They're just common sense. They're just how to live in community. How do we live with one another? How do we relate to one another? What's the next, next one? It says this. Galatians 5, 14 goes even further. It says, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, there was a guy who said, Who's my neighbor? And what did Jesus do? He told him a story of the Good Samaritan. You know, there's this guy going along and, you know, we found somebody on the road who had been beat up. And the first two guys, there was a pastor that went by and he said, I'm pretty busy, I've got to get back and study for my sermon. And I'm summarizing this in my own words. This is the John translation. And he said, I'll get to that person later. And then the second person came along, and it was one of the elders in the church. <laughs> and the elder said, oh man, I, I'm, I know I've got an elders meeting, and Pastor John's not going to be happy, so I can't, I can't take care of that person right now. I can't do anything about that. And then the person who is like the, kind of the enemy showed up, the Samaritan shows up, and he looks at the person who is, who's there hurt and broken, who's, been, who's, who's in a place of need, who's in a place where somebody else has to get them out of it, where they can't get out on their own. And that person says, hey, get up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to change my schedule. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take my time. I'm going to take my money. I'm going to pay for you to get better. I'm going to pay for a doctor. I'm going to pay for you to stay in this place. And I, I'm going to take for, care of you. And Jesus says, that's how you know who your neighbor is. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> and so the wholeness of God gets in us so much. That's what happens when the fire of God's in our hearts, in our, in our homes, in our tents, in our households where it begins to spread with love. It spreads only with love. 
Jesus says, hey, they'll know you, you're my disciples by your love for one another. I mean, we're, we're, in, a, we're in a society, let's be honest. We're in a culture, it's all about, it's all about us, right? It's, it's all about us. We are bombarded with everything being about us. Have you ever watched a commercial? Are the commercials about... Do they have a commercial that says, Hey, go do something for someone else. They, they might. They might have... There's a couple of those heartwarming ones. Go do something for someone else and then, and then give to this... You know, give to United Way or, or something, whatever. But, you know, we're, we're being pushed to focus on ourselves. And God is saying, Look, here's how you get whole. Take the focus off you and give and love someone else. I mean, the Ten Commandments were so basic, it's like, hey, you know, don't, don't kill people. You know, don't, don't harm people intentionally. You know, don't, don't take from them. Don't want what they have. You know, all these things, are, they're common sense, but to them as slaves, they had no clue. Sometimes when we come to Jesus, uh, we may not have a clue, but it, it's God as He works in us. He begins to show us, hey... This is, this, is, this, is, this is brokenness. This is wholeness. And we're never going to get to wholeness if we're not okay with confessing that we still have brokenness. If I'm too scared or too prideful to allow God to come in and say, something needs to change or allow someone else that loves me and trusts me to come into my life and say, we need to let that go. I don't get whole. But when I'm in community and there's wholeness being cultivated in every home, then it begins to be safer for me to expose my brokenness to someone else because I know it's safe. And so that's why, you know, that's why we want to be a safe community where it's okay to be broken. We are not saying anything that you have to have it all together. We're saying we want our eyes on Jesus and we're getting more whole. We're getting more healed. We're looking more like Him each and every day. If we're not there yet, we're just asking God, how do we get there? What needs, what needs to be changed in my life? What needs to be touched in my life? What do I need to let go of? Who do I need to forgive? What do I need to confess? How do I get healed? And Jesus is the answer. He is the only answer. We can't look to another source to get free. Some things we need God to come in and deal with them and they're and they're deep and they're they're they've been there a long time. But I want you to know, if you choose to be brave and courageous and go there, you'll find that God is the greater power, that Jesus is the higher power. I was listening to a song this morning that, that just is talking about God as the healer and it says in the, in the bridge or something, I, I believe it says, uh, you're, the, you're the higher power, darkness cannot stand. And so anytime I see darkness in my life, I need to know that there's a higher power. I need to know there's one that's greater. But it, here's the deal. I have to be willing to expose the darkness before the light can shine. The door has to be opened. 
I have to open the door. You know, several years ago, I felt like there were still doors open in my life to, to lust. I'm going to have to go there. You know, I won't give you my whole testimony, but just like many young men, being raised and growing up in the age of the internet, let me tell you, I've been a Christian since I was four years old. And there is not one chance that I would end up in some X-rated movie theater or some, you know, rent some movie from, you know, when we used to rent movies that, you know, I'm not going to go out and to some hall where there's girls doing things that shouldn't be done in front of men. But the Internet opens up a whole new world where I don't have to leave my home. And some of those same places... I would never go outside my home. I can get trapped in inside my home. And so like many guys, I'd, I had a struggle with that. And I felt like there was, there were some open doors in my life several years ago. I don't even remember how many years it, it has been now. It's been, it's been less than six, we'll say it that way, five years ago where I felt like there were still doors that were open. You know, it's like where, where you feel like you dealt with, well, dealt with something, you're like, well, I'm not, really, I'm not really stuck in that, but there's just like, there's still something there. There's still something there that, that doesn't belong. And so I had to humble myself, and I went to, I went to somebody. I, I went outside our church at that time. We didn't have anything available to help me. Uh, and so I went outside and I confessed and I dealt with stuff and God went really deep and there were some crazy things that happened to me. I want to let you know that I was delivered. But there were some strange things that happened. And so those things in your life, I know we're opening a can of worms here. Let me go back. There's so much going on in our heads. Sometimes we need deliverance in order for those voices to be quiet in our heads. There are some things that you are fighting that are demonic in nature. It's not just, oh, I've got I to gotta just change. I've got I to gotta try harder. I've got to be stronger. No, there's, some, there's sometimes, not always, there's sometimes where it's more than just the regular struggle that everybody goes through. And that is a point where I need to be freed. I need to be delivered from that. You know, if I see the same thing coming up in my life over and over again, the same thing keeps coming up. I don't want to mention anything because I don't want to step on any toes. Too bad, but you know what those things are. You know what those things are. Do you think Jesus says, I'm just going to leave you like that and you're going to have to try to get out on your own? No, Jesus says, no, I'm going to come after you. And if you'll trust me, and if you will open yourself up, I'm going to come in and I'm going to be the higher power. And I'm going to kick those things out of your life and they're not going to come back. And it's going to be quieter inside your head. That's exactly what happened to me when I was delivered from things that were, had me in bondage. It was quiet. There were less thoughts that, weren't for, that were 
weren't stirring around in my head. Do I still, as a human male, need to resist temptation? Sure. Absolutely. But when you're delivered, the power over you is broken. It feels like you have no choice when you're in bondage. And that's called deliverance. You know, the church has got that all weird where we have to get all crazy and weird. No, it's about just disarming the enemy and then using the authority God has to get rid of it. But you have to confess it and you have to be willing to deal with it. You have to be willing to say, here it is. And you have to be 100% committed to say, if I die trying, I'm going to get out of this with God's help. There has to be no option to ever go back. There has to be zero option to go back. That's why some people don't get free. 98% won't do it. It's 100% surrender to God to say, God, you come in and do it. That's wholeness. And God says, hey, when you have wholeness in your life, you're going to be able to share it with others. So I know I went kind of deep there for a second. Everybody take a deep breath. God wants us free. God wants us free. So here's, here's what I want us to do to re- kind of respond to the Lord this morning is we know where we need wholeness in our tent. If you're single, your tent is you. <laughs> if you're married, your tent is you and your spouse. If, if you're married with kids in the home, your tent is you, your spouse, and your kids. And so when the fire of God is present, He comes and says, I need to lead you to wholeness. You need right relationship with me. You need right relationship with yourself. You need right relationship with each other. And you need right relationship with the community, with those outside who are not in your tent. And anything that's out of whack in that will be, cause division and harm in any of those relationships. And God says, I want, I want wholeness. I want, I want you to experience the joy of what it is to have wholeness in your life. I want you to have my freedom. I want you to have my peace. I want you to have my power. I want you to have my love present. And so let's just, let's just open up our, our hearts. And if you want to open up your hands and say, Lord, I, we're, just, we're just asking right now. If you want wholeness in your home, we're just, we're just asking God to do it right now. We're asking God to start be, and say, Lord, you just begin with me. Lord, it doesn't matter if my spouse or my kids are not into it. Lord, it can begin with me and say, Lord, I want wholeness. I don't want to be stuck in the same thing over and over again. I want to see a change and I want to be free. And I am asking you, God, to lead me. The Holy Spirit will lead you. If you need to talk to there might be some things where you can take care of just between you and Him. There might be some things that you need someone else to come alongside you and help lead you to freedom. And you know, I'm sure any of our elders or us as leaders would be willing to talk with anybody who has something, but we believe in the power of Jesus to free people. And so, Lord, we invite wholeness. Lord, we confess that we still are not perfect, that we still need your help. We still need to know how to relate to one another, God. We still need to know how to relate to you sometimes. Lord, we confess sometimes we have an image of you that doesn't exist. Lord, we've turned you into someone you're not. Lord, reveal who you really are so that we can put away these 
pictures that we put up in our own mind of who you are. Lord, we want, we want the true picture of who you are in our minds. Lord, we want to we honor your name. We want to take care of ourselves. We want to commune with you. Lord, we want to have rest and refreshment released in our lives. Lord, the, the, the rest of faith and trusting in you in our lives. We want to have wholeness between one another where there's not harm going on between my, myself and my brother or sister or those I run into, God. We, we want wholeness. And we want to experience community. God, we thank you for the opportunity as you make us whole. Lord, the family of God should be the best community that anybody ever sees. It. Someone says, oh, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of That's what that's about. I want to be a part of that. I need that. So Lord, help us. We pray, Holy Spirit, just begin to show us the next step. Lord, we don't need everything at once. We can't handle it, God. But there's, there's a next step for us. There's something you're, you're showing us today. Right now, I pray in Jesus' name, you release that to hearts and minds right now in this room. Show us the next step. Lord, let us not be stuck in our marriages at the same place that we're in and say, this is just the way it's going to be. Lord, this is, we're just going to survive. This is, this is the best it's going to get. I, I rebuke that lie and I say, No! No, 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 no. God has more. You have more, oh Lord. You have more. You have more. You are greater than our brokenness. And so we choose to lay it before you and say, God, bring us wholeness. Lord, get us out of the mentality of being a slave, Lord, when we can be free. Lord, get us in the mentality of, of loving our neighbor, Lord, not judging our neighbor, Lord, not just not being suspicious of our neighbor, God, that we would have, have love and, Lord, be willing to give of ourselves for our neighbor. Help us not be afraid to deal with what's in our lives, God. I pray that you give courage to each and every person in this room. Lord, whatever darkness would show up in us, that we would say, Lord, I want the light there. I'm not just going to shut the door this time. I'm not going to close the door this time and shove that in the closet for a couple years and let it come out again at a time when I don't want it to come out again and bring harm to those I love around me. I want it cleaned out this time, God. I want the closet cleaned out. I'm going to turn on the light. But we, we invite your presence, Lord. You're the fire, and so you bring light. Lord, you don't bring the fire of judgment, and you bring, bring the fire of freedom in. The freedom of deliverance, God, we pray. I pray for each and every person that they would be more whole this next year than they've ever been. Lord, I bless these hearts, I bless these spirits in the name of Jesus. And I say to every spirit in here, any that are asleep, I say, wake up in the name of Jesus and begin to be whole. Begin to be whole. Begin to be whole in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. If you need prayer for something, please come on up. And we would love to pray with you. Any of our leaders would be loved. If you need to sit and soak in God's presence, that's fine. But we're, we're pretty much uh, done with our structured gathering. So bless one another. Find someone next to you. Give them a hug. Uh, fellowship together. And... Uh, we will see you next time.